My name is Victoria Rosa Garcia. Three names because two is not enough, of course. I am the wife of DJ Garcia, and we both, <laughs> if you know DJ, he's awesome. Um, and we help lead the City Central Men's and Women's Ministry here at Citywide. And with a team of an amazing leadership team, we love, love our leadership team. So follow us on Facebook. We're at Men's and Women's City Central, Men's and Women's Ministry. Things that are coming up, if you're a guy, guys have been like, we had a lot for the guys, babe. Like, you guys are on fire. I'm feeling the competition. I'm like, what can we do for the girls? Okay, they have men's axe throwing is coming up. So, yeah, Thursday nights is $25 on discount. So make sure that you go and get with DJ, and he will uh, hook you up for that. And then we got a sight and sound trip coming up. It is completely sold out, so I'm excited about that. A little bit about me. I was born and raised in Bridgeport, born and raised in a church right around the corner from here in Bridgeport. I love spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ to my community. I'm a member of Citywide for four years now. My Love Citywide Church. I may be biased, but my husband and I founded a ministry called Pure Love and Health Ministries, and we um, wrote two Bible studies, Purity and Peace and Purity and Maturity, and it's to help uh, men and women heal and have a safe space to heal. We feel that we're called to restore, revive, and heal members of the church in Jesus' name. All of that being said, now that you know a little bit about me, we are going into our simple gospel series for today. And the title for today's preaching is A Perfect Christ for an Imperfect Life. A Perfect Christ for an Imperfect Life. And so, like I said, if you haven't shared this preaching online, go ahead. I'm going to read our anchor verse for today, and it's Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Matthew 11, 28 through 30, says the following. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Father God, I thank you so much for your word, God. I thank you for what you're going to do today, Lord Jesus. Prepare our hearts and minds, Lord God, to receive this word. Lord, right now, I decrease and you increase, God. Everything that I say may come straight from you, Lord Jesus. Open our hearts and minds to what you have us to learn. Holy Spirit, come into this place. Bring conviction where it needs to be brought and help us be closer to Jesus at the end of this. We don't want to leave here the same. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. And so the pandemic hit in 2020, March 2020. Does anybody remember that? Okay, I hope so, right? So when the pandemic hit, it shut everything down and it slowed down a few things in my life. And if I could be honest with you, I was kind of grateful for it. I was like, oh, I'm a type A personality, so things were slowing down for me. But in the midst of all that, there were a few letdowns. I don't know if you were let down when things shut down, but I'll share a few of my letdowns. I graduated from grad school and didn't have a graduation, right? I said, oh, it's grad school. I graduated from high school. I graduated from college. No big deal. So I just kind of let brush that off. I had to cancel our celebratory trip to Curacao because travel, the whole country of Curacao shut down, couldn't go. Again, no big deal. 
Curacao isn't going to float away, right, and go somewhere else. I could go there at any other time. So we brush it off. I wasn't able to come to my church and see my favorite citywide community, but again, no big deal. We worked around it. We saw each other on Zoom, and we were able to connect. And the same thing with Purity and Peace. We held our Bible studies online, and we navigated the best way we could in the past two years. We did our best. But then in, like, June of 2020, something shifted, right? Racial injustices of this country were on display for all to see, but this movement was different. No one was distracted by sports or the Olympics or entertainment. The world was halted, and this was an opportunity to really address an issue in our country, racism, head on, or so it seemed. And this was a big deal. Then people I knew started to get COVID, and some of my friends were losing people close to them. This was a big deal. And then my friends were divided on politics, politics to mask, don't mask, vax, don't vax, and people were just in conflict with each other, and this became a big deal. And then one of the nearest and dearest men in my life passed away due to COVID. Big deal. My Facebook was hacked, and 15 years of content gone in an instant. The hacker charged $1,000 on my ministry account with a bogus campaign tied to my Facebook account, and that was a nightmare because Facebook doesn't have a phone number. You can't, like, track them down. It was awful. Big deal. Then my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer and headed to surgery into the end of 2021, and then my aunt, her younger sister, was diagnosed at the same time with cancer on her face last year, and they went into surgery one day right after the other. And then their brother's wife shortly passed away. Big deal, big deal, big deal. One thing after the other last year, and by January of 2020, guys, if I can be honest, I was tired. I was weary, and I was burdened. Trying to get over grief is no joke. Trying to manage one disappointment after the other when you give so much of your life, right, to God, and you're like, Lord, why isn't everything going perfect? It's disappointing. And so when I read the focus verse for today, it resonates with me. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Because if I could be honest, church, if we could have an honest conversation, I was tired, burnt out, and I didn't want to do anything. I did not want to go to work. I did not want to come to church. I did not want to lead period in peace. I did not want to do anything. And so can you relate to the feeling of being burnt out? In fact... I'm going to let you take a moment to answer that for yourself. If you pull out your phones, you should be taking notes because my pastor said if you take notes, you get to heaven faster. <laughs> His words, not mine. And take a moment to reflect. The last two years were really heavy. And there were some heavy things going on. And what has made you feel weary and burdened in this season or maybe in the past season? Write it down and reflect, tired, burned out, whatever it may be. Maybe you too lost someone to an untimely death. Perhaps you're experiencing some difficulties at work, day in and day out. Maybe it's your boss or a coworker, right? Perhaps an injustice has occurred in your life that doesn't have a resolution. 
and it's got you tripped up. And so I was, as, as I was reflecting on my own kind of burdens and heaviness, I'm like, God, why do we experience weariness and burdens in this life? What are some reasons that we experience this feeling? And the simple gospel truth is that in a fallen world, life is hard. Life is hard. Living in a fallen world of sin and trying to figure it out and what the Bible calls the weak flesh, our flesh is weak, right? That's hard. The troubles of this imperfect fallen world, Jesus said that we would have trouble. In John 16, 33, he said, I have told you these things so that you may have peace, because in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. And so our first point for today, it's leading us into our first point. Church, don't expect a perfect life. Instead, expect a perfect Lord. Don't expect a perfect life. Expect a perfect Christ that we can run to when times get tough. And listen, times are going to get tough. Things are going to happen. Sometimes when the gospel is preached, people say, come to Jesus. All your problems will go away. You're not going to have any issues at all, right? And it's simply not true. Will things get better? Absolutely. And we'll have a testimony to that. Things will get better. Things, God can heal. Things can, can be changed and turned around. And that's why we were worshiping like crazy here because God's done it and we believe he'll do it again. But the reality is, is that there's been this message, this, you know, blanket coding that you come to Jesus and all your problems go away. And it's simply not true. Why do we experience weariness and burdens in this life? There are storms of life. There are highs and lows. There are mountains and valleys. Jesus said in Matthew 5:45, God causes his son to rise on evil and the good and sends rain to the righteous and unrighteous. Hey, when it's sunny outside, it doesn't just shine on us good people. And when it rains, it doesn't rain on the bad people, right? Like when it rains, there's a hurricane out there. We're all feeling it together. We're all, when we went through the pandemic right now, we all experienced that together, right? And so in the good and the bad that happens in this life, everyone's going to feel it, it's saying. So we know that life is going to have its troubles. It's going to have its storms. Why do we experience weariness and burdens? We have a real enemy looking to destroy us and bring us down. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. If you've ever seen a lion prowling around, he's going to get what he wants. That's why they call him king of the jungle, right? And so, but see, the Bible says that he prowls around like a lion. But Jesus is the lion. So the enemy is a fraud. The enemy is a fraud, but he's still trying to attack us. And so Ephesians 6.16 actually tells us how he tries to attack us. Ephesians says, take up your shield of faith, which can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So he is trying to wait for your faith to go low. Right? When these storms of life happen, we have to be careful because we're, the devil will kick us when we're down. He doesn't play fair. That's why we have, you know, things that say, like, when it rains, it pours. 
he's going to kick us one more down. He doesn't, that's why he's nasty and he's gross and he belongs in hell forever. <laughs> but he has these flaming arrows, Pastor Jose, and he's strategically trying to attack us, waiting for an opening, waiting. Okay, is her faith low yet? Is her, did she bring it down? Okay, and this, when a flaming arrow hits you, it pierces you, but it's on fire and it consumes you. It doesn't just hit you and pierce you. That He's trying to consume you. You go up in flames, and if you're dry, baby, baby, if you're dry, if you don't got, li if you don't got living water, you can't extinguish a flame without water. Okay? So he's playing offense. He's pointing flaming arrows at us, trying to take us down. He's prowling around like a lion, strategically looking for an opportunity to attack. We need to fight back. We need the perfect Christ in our life to help us fight back. Some things we're experiencing in life are making us weary, and we're going over that. Troubles, storms, trials, attacks from Satan, our enemy, all of these things. If we let it, we get weary, we're exposed. We can't get exposed. We need an answer for our weary soul. So what is the answer to our weary soul? Because I needed an answer. By 2022, sis was tired. And I know a lot of you are feeling the same. You guys are tired. In Matthew 11, 28, 30, our anchor verse, the first three words, what does it say? Come to me. So simple. So simple. It's a simple direction. Are you lost in this world? Come to me. You lost a loved one? Come to me. You lost your job and having issues with your boss? Come to me. Your body sick? Come to me. In every situation that would make us feel weary and burdened, we should come to Jesus. And point number two is this. Point number two, a perfect Christ is the only answer for my weary soul. He's the only answer. We've tried everything else. You know it. I know it. And those things didn't fill me. And they didn't fill you. We need the perfect Christ. But what makes Christ perfect? He is God in the flesh. John 10.30 says, I and the Father are one. This is Jesus speaking. He's saying, I and the Father are one. Again, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him because in that time, saying that you were God was blasphemy. But Jesus said to them, I've shown you many good works from the Father. Which one of these works are you going to stone me for? We're not stoning you for a good work, they replied. We're stoning you for blasphemy because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Listen, Jesus said he was God. That was the grounds in which he was crucified. An innocent man. But that was the grounds he was crucified. So if you're here, you're, you're still skeptical. You're like, I believe he's a good man or a prophet. He's a good prophet, but I don't think he was God. I don't, I don't think I have to get to him to get to God. A good man doesn't lie about who he is. A good prophet wouldn't claim to be something that he is not. So if you don't believe that Jesus was God, then you either think he's a liar or a lunatic. 
I got this from Lee Strobel. He's the author of The Case for Christ. If you've ever seen the movie the Ca- A Case for Christ, was the author was looking to debunk Jesus. But guess what he found? He found the true Jesus. And he said Jesus is either Lord, he's either who he says he was, God, a liar, or a lunatic. But you can't think that he's just a prophet or a good man and not believe that he was God because he said he was God. And if you don't believe that, you believe he's a liar. And so choose today who you believe Jesus was, but he was God. He was perfect. God is perfect. Jesus was perfect. And there is more proof that he was perfect. He lived a blameless and perfect life on earth. He was the perfect sacrifice. Listen, Peter says in 1 Peter 2.22, Jesus committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. Listen, we can trust Peter's, what he's saying there. The disciple Peter, the apostle Peter, he walked with Jesus. Not only that, he was in Jesus' inner circle. There's 12 of them, but three of them were like his homeboys. And so Peter... (laughs) And so Peter was one of his homeboys. And, like, you can trust Peter saying that Jesus committed no sin. Listen, perfect example. If I was claiming that I was perfect and God with no sin, my husband would be the first one to say, she's a lunatic. (laughs) She's the lunatic. She's a liar and a lunatic because that girl ain't perfect. Okay? People who are around us are going to know how we act, how we talk, how we walk. And according to what we know in scripture, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they were giving firsthand account. So if you don't believe that Jesus, you don't believe Jesus, and you're saying that you also don't believe these men who walked with him, because rest assured, people talk. They would have tattled, they were like, if she, he had a relationship with Mary Magdalene or whatever, we would have known, guys. Because it would have been somewhere. They would have told on him the same way. I don't know. DJ's nice to me. He wouldn't like out me. Maybe it would be my friend Zybel. Those are just kidding. <laughs> Love her if, she, if she's still around. Um, we can trust his account. In the Old Testament, here's another thing. How we know Jesus is perfect and blameless in this life. In the Old Testament, there was a sacrificial system that was put into play. You had to bring animals And they had to be sacrificed, right? The blood of animals. And Josh, right? It couldn't be no one-eyed, (laughs) bow-legged lamb. Am I right? It could have a blemish on it. The point is, when you were bringing an animal to sacrifice, to shed blood, to cover your sin, that animal had to be what? You said it. You know it. I got a bunch of theologians in the house, right? It had to be perfect. Or God wouldn't accept it. So we come to the New Testament. Would God accept an imperfect sacrifice to cover the sin of the world? He wouldn't. He wouldn't. God wouldn't, wouldn't have accepted it. it would, the plan would have it would been like, plot twist. We're going to change this up real quick. This is not the way it's going, but Jesus was perfect. And God accepted his sacrifice. In fact, Jesus was at a point where he's sweating blood, scared. He's like, if you can take this from me, God, if you could take this from me, like he was scared in his humanness, right? He was like, take this from me. The sacrifice had to be perfect. So you can rest assured this perfect Christ that we're preaching and teaching about here, you can trust in it. 
It's verified. All right? It's verified. If he was on Instagram, he'd get the blue check, okay? He's a verified account. And Jesus overcame sin by dying on a cross, defying death through a resurrection. Again, we have Peter, 1 Peter 2, 24 to 25. Peter says, Jesus himself bore our sins on his body on a tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, we are healed. But because of various reasons, instead of coming to Jesus when trials of life leave us weary and burdened, even though we know we have a perfect Christ to go to, even though we know that if we come to Jesus, he's going to redeem us, there's some things going on, <laughs> like pride. We run, avoid, take refuge in other people. We take refuge in things. We buy things. So, for example... We'll run to the club to be surrounded by people so we don't feel that sting of loneliness instead of showing up to the City Central men's breakfast that DJ put together. Nobody here did that. It's hypothetical. We avoid church on Sunday mornings because we don't want to feel the sting of conviction by Pastor Mary's amazing, awesome, powerful preaching last week. If you missed it, catch the replay. Catch the replay. Well, we don't want that friend to look at us and be like, where you been? I haven't seen you in a while. What you doing? We take refuge in our children and live vicariously through them because our own life wasn't perfect. So maybe they're our second chance at getting it right, right? Let's just control their life. We go on shopping sprees time and a time again to fill the void of lack we experienced as a child when your parents were struggling to make ends meet. We avoid a quiet time with God or coming to Jesus for salvation because we saw other people of God suffer and figured God didn't really care about them. So why would he care about me? These are just some examples of how we avoid that come to Jesus moment, right? It's real. No judgment. We've all been there. I'm big on testimonies. If I could, like, be here and everybody give a testimony, I'd be like, yes, tell me. Tell us how. Share it. Because you are not alone. Because the enemy will make you think you're alone in this mess. He'll make you think that you're isolated, that there's nothing for you, that there's not an answer for you, right? He's prowling around like a lion. He's trying to see where you're weak in this. And he's like, oh, perfect target. But... We got to remember that when we don't come to Jesus and we do these other things, it's a, it's a wrong mindset. We have to start surrendering our life to Christ. We reject God instead of coming to him for tons of reasons. We said shame, guilt, pride, hurt, let down, worldly thinking. And ultimately, we reject God really because we're living in the flesh and not in the spirit. The flesh is weak. We can't rely on the flesh. Matthew 26, 41 says, watch and pray so that you won't fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Your spirit wants to do what's right. It wants to please God. That's why you're here today. You want that come to Jesus moment, but the flesh is weak and it needs the spirit of God to lead it. And so the question here, what is leading your flesh? Is it you or is it the spirit of God? 
Are you in control of your decisions? Are you letting the spirit of God lead you? Romans 8, 8 says, those who are in the realm of the flesh can't please God. Tell your neighbor, you got to get out of the flesh. That's your accountability partner for the week. Say hello. Say hello to your accountability partner for the week. Say, you got to get out of the flesh. Got to do it. Can't please God. And they're like, and people are like, dang it, that's why I don't want to come here. Because, no, this is set out of love. I'm saying, I'm saying this because I love you. I don't want to see you burn in hell. I don't want to see the devil win. He should have passed. He took, took me out because I'm taking everybody to heaven with me. That's how I feel. But I'm going to have to tell you the truth. I'm in love. And it hurts. And that's okay because I'll cry with you. Ask my husband. I'll bring you to our house. I'll, I will love you through it. And there's tons of people who will do the same thing next to you. Your accountability partner is going to do the same thing for you. We got to get in tune with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God that lives inside of you when you receive Christ gives you the ability to overcome the flesh. Galatians 5, 16 and 17 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desire of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit, and you won't gratify the flesh. For the flesh desires what's contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit contrary to the flesh they are in conflict with each other you ever seen a conflict you ever see people bro i went to like central high school i remember people would get jumped remember i went i went with you see how short i am people would get jumped and i would be like ah, oh, because everyone's running toward the fight and i'm like oh they're like pushing me out the way and i'll be like dad pick me up i don't want to be in here conflict people got beef right the spirit and the flesh are at beef with each other they're beefing they are beefing and when we walk by the spirit we can gratify god we can come to jesus despite our weaknesses and jesus promised that if we come to him his yoke would be easy and his burden would be light. He didn't say that there wouldn't be a yoke. So a yoke is like a piece of board that they put, has two holes in it. You put oxen, the face of oxen in them, and it's heavy. It's like holds the animals together so they do a good work. So you're still going to have that expectation to do work in Christ, but the yoke, is, it's easier when we're with Jesus. The burden is light. So here's the question. I have a lot of questions here, but you're taking good notes, so I know you're answering them. What keeps you from coming to Christ? And I'm asking you because your relationship with Christ is personal. It's personal. What's keeping you? Could be a hurt, could be let down. Somebody says something to you. So for the last part of this preaching, I want to take us back on a little history lesson. Let's go back to Jesus' time, to Israel in Jesus' time when Jesus was born. They had just been in 400 years of silence, radio silence from God. They haven't heard anything from God. And some of you guys can relate to that because you're in a season right now where you're trying to, you need answers and you're like, God is silent. 
But so, let's set the stage. What did the world and society look like? What kind of trials and storms and attack was happening in society at that time? Can you put that slide up for me? So in Jesus' time, this is what society looked like. It was an oppressive society that was heavily taxed with cheating tax collectors. It was politically unstable. It was being ruled and oppressed by imperial empire of Rome. They were power hungry. The politics could appoint and depose the Jewish high priest, which in other words means politics at the time influenced religion. Herod was a ruler of the Jews, and he was known to be a murderer. So the government was killing people. Does any of this sound familiar? Okay. A third world society with a military dictatorship. Douglas Oakman, a religion professor at Pacific Lutheran University, said Jesus was born into essentially a third world context under a military dictatorship. In this society, people were coerced and forced to do things. And so Jesus, the perfect Christ, comes into this world in the most imperfect way, in a stable, right, around animals, so to speak. And he had a mission. His mission was to get fishers of men called disciples. And one of those disciples I want to talk about today, he might be one of your favorite. His name is Peter. Peter, I'm going to let you give you a little profile about Peter, who he was. Peter was a fisherman. We know that from John 21, 6. He was a disciple and one of Jesus' homies. He was like in the inner circle. James and John and Peter, that was like Jesus' right-hand man. There were 12 of them, but three of them were really close, and Peter was one of them. So the things that are going on in, in Peter's life in society was burdening him. How? He had to pay heavy taxes. Can anybody relate? He had to catch enough fish to support his family. He was a fisherman. If he didn't catch fish, you don't get, you don't eat, right? You can't support your family without that. He had a mother-in-law, the Bible says, who was sick. He had a wife to take care of. He was married. And so Jesus shows up in Peter's life. Actually, his name is Simon at this point. His name wasn't changed yet. And he's introduced by, to Jesus by his brother Andrew. And Andrew was a follower of John the Baptist, and he met Jesus through John the Baptist. And so Jesus confronts Simon and Andrew, and he's like, follow me. And they do. And Jesus visits Simon's house, and he heals his mother-in-law. So things start happening. Jesus shows up. People get healed. Things, miracles start getting performed. Um, you know, Simon Peter's trying to get food on the table, and they're fishing all day, and they're like, we're not catching fish. And Jesus is like, you should probably put your net on the other side. And they're like, we've been doing this all day. He's like, do it. And they do, and the boat, the Bible says the boat gets so full of fish, the miracle of the fish, the boat starts to sink. When we listen to Jesus, things happen. Miracles happen. Provision happens. And then Jesus changes Simon's name to Peter. And he says, on this rock, what? I will build my church. He witnesses Jesus raise a little girl from the dead. He walks on water with Jesus and sinks. He recognizes Jesus as God. And Jesus said he will build his church on them. They were close. They were homeboys. But at this one event called the Last Supper, Jesus calls out his boy. 
he says, you're going to deny me, not once, not twice. How many times, church? Before when? The rooster crows. That's right. Y'all better know your Bible. We know our Bible up in here. Period. <laughs> Devil. So Peter tells Jesus, me? Am I the villain? I'm not the villain. That can't be me. He's like, no, I would never deny you, Jesus. Because you know Peter, he's a hothead. So he's like, no, I would never you ever have like that cousin that you blame. It's like, you ate the Oreos. He was like, no, it's not me. No, it was you. It was you. And guess what? At Jesus' most dire moment, when he was being crucified on the cross, all 11, including Peter, were nowhere to be found. Only John was the ride or die. And that's when you find out, church, when you got real friends. That's when you find out who your real friends are. No shade to the other 11 disciples because God used them greatly. But my boy, John, I want to be, I don't even want to have a friend like that. I want to be a friend like that. Because we are like, I need a friend like that. How about you be a friend like that? Ride or die, but that's not Peter. We're talking about Peter. I can't go into John. That'll be next time. Peter, at Jesus' most dire moment, denies him three times before the rooster crows. But listen, he was in his feelings about it because all four Gospels made note. They were petty. Matthew, Mark, Duke, John. They were petty about it. They were like, and Peter wept remorsefully. Period. Oh, Lord, help us, Jesus. But get this, Jesus also predicted another disciple would betray him. Who was that? Oh, y'all are, y'all are on it. Write it in the chat, y'all. Write it in the chat. We're not going to tell you who was. No, sir, it was Judas. Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. He was the official treasurer of the disciples. And guess what? He was a thief. Actually, the Bible says that he used to help himself into the money bag he oversaw. The Bible also says in John 13, 26 and 27, that Satan entered him. And after Judas betrayed Jesus, he also was remorseful. He felt bad. And he tried to give the money back to the chief priest to no avail because it was a done deal. So let's look at what these two disciples had in common. And let's see if we have anything in common with them. Both of these men were affected by wearisome and burdensome societal and political frameworks of the time. High taxes, being forced, they couldn't pay them, you know, they're trying to fish and they can't make money for their families. And so they're like, oh, maybe I should steal some money out of the offering plate. Been there? So I feel for Judas. Right. It makes we talk about him like this villain, but it's like, let's bring it. Let's be real. Like the time was hard. They were living in some hard times. There were some wearisome and burdensome things happening, just like they're happening right now. Both of these men were chosen by God to play a pivotal role in Jesus's life. Both of them were predicted to fall short and turn their back on Christ. Both of these men were disciples and in the presence of Jesus, but only one of them made a decision to come to Jesus and confront his wrongdoing. Here's point number three, and you got to catch this. 
being in the presence of a perfect Christ. Being in the presence of a perfect Christ is not the same as being in a relationship with a perfect Christ. The, both of these disciples were in the presence of God. One of them, that presence changed him, and one of them, that presence did not. So sometimes we say, like, oh, the presence of God, the presence of God. You got to want it. Because we could be in the glory and the presence all day, but if we don't have that relationship, that pinky promise, we'll be living in the flesh like Judas. We'll allow Satan to enter us like Judas. We got to be so careful, my brothers and sisters. I love you too much to not share with you this sad truth that both Peter and Judas were in the presence of Christ and a part of Jesus' ministry. Judas saw him do miracles. He was there, but Peter was the one with the true relationship. And when Jesus died, resurrected, and came back in a glorified body for 40 days, Jesus confronts Peter. In John 21, 15 through 25, John 21, 15 through 25, Jesus confronts Peter, and he restores him. Jesus asked Peter three times to cover every denial. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And Jesus says, feed my lambs after Peter says, yes, I love you. You know I love you. Jesus confronts Peter, and Peter finds redemption when he comes to Jesus, right? Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. Judas never had a chance to confront Jesus. Jesus never had a chance to confront Jesus, Judas in a glorified body because Judas had already hung himself. He took matters into his own hands. He allowed the attack of Satan to overtake him. He was in the flesh, and the flesh won. Sin won, and Satan won. We have the true victory in Christ. But there's little battles that Satan will win if we let him. We've got to let the presence of God change and transform us and, and lead us to a true relationship with him. Burdens in our time, current day, right? What are we going through? Wars, rumors of wars, politically unstable, racial injustices and, un and civil unrest, inflation, highly taxed, cost of oil, oil, housing market. Anybody here looking for a house? It's crazy out there. Even rents is crazy. Groceries have gone up. There's a worldwide pandemic, and there's tons of fear running around. And just like Peter and Judas, we too are experiencing these heavy burdens in our society, and we may want to steal and, and do things and be in the flesh like Judas was. We too are chosen by God and are chosen to play a pivotal role in Jesus's story. We too have fallen short and turned our back on Christ time and time again. We too have come into the presence of a perfect Christ today and we are looking for one thing, a relationship. Do we have a relationship with Christ that will sustain us and redeem us like Peter? Or will we take things into our own hands like Judas, Matthew 11, 28 through 30, our anchor verse, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Peter caught that. 
he caught that Jesus, because listen, it's not easy to confront your best friend after you work, you ghosted him on the hardest day of his life. That conflict, that, that confrontation, awkward, right? Like, that's really awkward. Like, what? Jesus confronts him. And it was still difficult, just like he's saying, you know, the yoke is easier, though. Peter understood that it was easier. It was still difficult to confront his best friend. The trial for Peter was still present, but it was an easier yoke to confront Jesus and allow that confrontation to happen. Because in the end, Jesus restored him. He didn't judge him. And sometimes we're like, we're like, oh, I sinned again, or oh, I did this, or I did that. And I don't, I want to go up in this altar call. I want people to see me. I want people to know that I'm struggling. I'm not calling my accountability partner. I don't want to be seen in my mess. But Jesus wants you to come to him because it's light. His burden is light. He's going to redeem you. He's going to forgive you. He's going to tell you, feed my lambs. That's a good God. That's a good God. I want a friend like that. That if I ghost them on their most dire moment, they could forgive me for it. And then give me a job and say, you know what? Not only am I going to forgive you for this, but I'm going to give you something to do. It's better than taking things into your own hands like Judas did. Both of them had difficult decisions to make. But Peter's choice was obviously the better choice, right? And the aftermath, Judas hangs himself, and we don't really hear about him again in the word. But Peter, after Peter was restored, my sister, Peter saw Jesus ascend up into heaven. Peter receives the Holy Spirit in the upper room. He preaches a sermon where thousands of people were saved. He raises a little girl from the dead through the power of Christ. He is the first account to preach the gospel to a Gentile named Cornelius. Peter wrote two books of the Bible, 1 Peter and 2 Peter. Church tradition says that he later died a martyr for the gospel, upside down on a cross, embracing publicly the Christ he once denied. To this day, to this day, people gather to a place called Vatican City to see a place called St. Peter's Square named after the Apostle Peter. Listen, that come to Jesus moment, that redemption leaves a legacy. It leaves a legacy that people will visit years and years, whether it's your children, whether it's your children's children, it leaves a legacy that changes lives forever. And to this day, we're still reading out of 1 Peter and 2 Peter. That's why I strategically used it for this preaching. If you're looking for a perfect life, you've come to the wrong place. I can't promise you a perfect life. But if you're looking for a perfect Christ, you've come to the right place. I can offer you a perfect Christ. Because Jesus doesn't expect you to live a perfect life, brothers and sisters. He already lived a perfect life. And it was a perfect sacrifice he was. He says, come to me. And he wants you to come to him. 
and to deny yourself and follow him. Something's going to have to die, right? You're going to have to deny some things that you want, some things that you're stubborn to have, but you don't understand. My family struggled and blah, blah, blah. You have to get, get rid of it all and do exactly what he's telling you to do, and that's hard. And that's why we're in the flesh and we take things into our own hands. But I want to open the opportunity to anyone who's seeking a chance to build that true relationship with Christ. And so if you want that true and personal relationship with Jesus, where he seals you with the power of the Holy Spirit and fills you with the Spirit, if you want an eternity with him forever, you want to know where you go after you die, if you want your life to completely change like Peter's life changed, and you want to leave a legacy then this is your chance to accept him as your Lord and Savior. Stand up, church. I want everyone to say this prayer with me. It's a salvation prayer. But this is for anyone who you're like, man, I want that Jesus that you're talking about. I want a life like Peter. I was like Peter. I'm trying. I'm struggling. I'm trying to make my bread. I'm trying to get, I have a, a sickly family member. I need Jesus to to heal them. I have money to make and I'm not making it financially. I'm like Peter. I need to get some fish. And I have a calling. And I want to live for Christ. Then say this prayer with me. Father, it is written in your word that if I confess my mouth, that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that Jesus has been raised from the dead I shall be saved Father I confess that Jesus is my Lord I make him Lord of my life right now I believe in my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead I renounce my past life of sin. I close the door to Satan and any of his devices. In Jesus' name, write my name in the Lamb's book of life. I long to spend eternity with you, God. Amen. Lord, I thank you for forgiving me of all my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer right now for the first time and you meant it, you are saved. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. If you prayed that prayer and you really meant it, you're like, I really need this relationship with this Jesus. I need, to, I need to dance like these people dance. I need to worship like these. I need something to shift in my life. If that's you, I'm going to let the worship team worship and do what they do. You're going to take your time. I want you to just come up to this altar. We're going to have ministers up here to pray for you. But I also want to do a second call. I want to do a second call for that person who, you're like Judas. You've been in the presence of God. You've seen the miracles. You know Christ. You've been walking with him, but you've been stealing in different ways. 
and you're not right and you're feeling depressed and you're feeling the darkness and you're feeling the shame and you're feeling far from God. And it's not a good feeling. But listen, he's here. He's here right now. You got to just step forward. Let this song minister to you. Do not look who's on your left and who's on your right. Come up to this altar. Put it all down. Christ is here for you today. He's here to change your life. He's here to love on you. And listen, we'll be up here. We'll pray for you. And we will help restore you back with that relationship with Christ. Amen. Enjoy. God bless you, church.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. My, my. He's a powerful king. He's a powerful Lord. We thank you, God. We thank you. Thank you for the word today. Thank you, Jesus. If you accepted Christ today, if you accepted Christ but you didn't come up to the front, we have a gift for you. So we don't want you to leave this place empty-handed. Go to the back or come, come to the front. Someone will walk you to the back. We have something for you. If you said that salvation prayer, we want to connect you. We want to make sure that your relationship flows and you're connected. How many were blessed by today? God bless you all. God bless you all. Make sure, make sure you grab one of these on your way out, okay? It is the devotional for the week. It goes with the preaching for this week. And make sure that you come here again on Wednesday night. God has something for you powerful on Wednesday. Raise your hands. I'm going to pray over you. Father God, I thank you for each and every individual in this place, God. God, you are doing a mighty work at Citywide Church. God, you are changing lives. You are saving lives, Father God. You are healing us. You are restoring us, God. I speak resurrection, God, and dead things in our lives, Father God. I know that you're just doing a work in us, God. And we thank you, God. We ask that your presence go with us all the way home, God, and bring us back next week. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. God.